0: Let me share with you three reasons why I believe it's worth paying attention this morning. There's probably a lot more besides just these three reasons, but at least three reasons why it might be to our advantage to really pay attention today. One of them is we're going to uh, clarify our story. We're going to clarify your story, your truest story, my truest story. That's what we're going to Our time together this morning, we're going to work at clarifying our truest story. We're also going to engage the conversation God is already having with us. We're going to spend our time, one of the reasons to pay attention this morning, because we're going to engage the conversation that God is already having with you. And thirdly, that we're going to define a life for you and for me of ultimate significance of ultimate significance, your life, applicable to today, to your context. Today we're starting a new series. We're referring to it as, Yes, we're open. Yes, we're open to hearing the Spirit speak. We'll have more on this in a bit. Today's title for this particular message is, founding words, founding words. Our text is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. If you open up your Bibles, please, those of you that are participating in worship at home, make sure that you have your Bible available as well. We will put it on the screen. Acts 1, 1 through 11. Hear the Word of God. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now So when they had come together they asked him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of uh, the kingdom to Israel He said to them it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority But you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria into heaven. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God shine his favor on us as we come under his word together. All right, so three pertinent words for our time. Pertinent, relevant, applicable uh, to our, our situation. Three words, gospel, conversation, movement. Let's gather around each of those three words. First, gospel. So here's where we will clarify your truest story. Clarify my truest story, our truest story. Gospel. What comes to mind when you think of the word gospel? Maybe it's gospel music or a gospel church. Maybe the gospel truth. The word gospel comes from two roots good and tale. It came to stand for good news, a good story, a good report. A good tale, a good good news. And so we're using it here this morning to speak of the good news of Jesus. The gospel, the good news centered around Jesus. That Jesus brings into this world that Jesus is the good news for us. In fact, if we look at the first two verses in our text, verses 1 and 2, we find uh, the author here writing, In the first book, O Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. If you're new to Scripture, uh, you may not have made the connection that, that the author of the book of Acts is the same author as the Gospel of Luke. Luke writes to Theophilus, who We might understand to be a wealthier Christian or a person who's probably a patron, before YouTube even, right? Their patron status, empowering Luke to do his investigative work. And so when Luke refers to the first book, that book, the gospel according to Luke, it tells the story of the good news of Jesus, of Jesus coming into this world. Jesus coming of age and, and then setting aside these years of ministry where he spoke and he, he taught about the kingdom of God and how he gave his life that on the cross he died uh, not just as a result of people's um, uh, desire to get rid of him but because of a, a grand plan that God had. That here the fully God, fully human Jesus would die on our behalf. That would pay the the price that we couldn't pay and still live. That he died in our stead. And then he was raised from the dead. Acts is then the next part of the story. Acts continues the story after the good news of of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus. But Acts doesn't happen. Acts doesn't get written if there's no gospel. Acts does not happen, does not get written if there's no Jesus. The book of Acts is empty without the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. No church without gospel. And the gospel is indeed our truest story. God becomes Jesus. The second person of the Trinity in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God becomes Jesus. God in the flesh. Walking on earth. Born of the Virgin Mary, growing up, having a ministry where He proclaimed, He taught, He he demonstrated the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We've talked about the kingdom of God before, that, the, that what is true about heaven, Jesus pulls into this world, brings heaven near, the right rule of God near us, defined by his grace and his goodness and his mercy and his righteousness and justice. And so he brings this in and then he, he gives his life on that cross, becoming the propitiation for our sin, the payment that, that needed to be made, that, that allowed for his account to become our account. He took our account onto his ledger and paid the price and then allowed his ledger, all righteousness, to become our account. Jesus, fully God, fully human. And after he suffered and died and rose from the dead, we are told in verse three of Acts, he presented himself alive to them, after his suffering, by many proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This is good news. Death has been conquered. Jesus is alive, um, and at that time, still in the world, ministering and proving. This is the founding story of the church it's the originating story it's the the story that gives life to the church and it is the founding story of every Christian there is no church without the gospel there's no reason to gather there's no hope in Christianity without the gospel of Jesus in love God came near Jesus paid for our sins he conquered death And in him, we have life. And in him, the church has life. So church, this is your story. Christian, this is your truest story. We do have competing stories. We experience those competing stories every day. This past week, the deacons met on Tuesday and uh, um, we Pam Gardner had uh, arranged to have Laura Amadio come join us and and to make a presentation. Laura, one of the elders in our congregation, and uh, she works with InterVarsity and has done some work on understanding the generation known as Generation Z or I-Gen. And and so she came and and she made this statement and provided it in, in her material. She said, generations are formed by the people, events, and cultures around them. Did you hear that? That that generations are formed by the people, the events, and cultures around them. In other words, our stories, every generation has a set of stories that that come and help to form who they are, that that become uh, part of the mix of what that generation is going to be about. And they can help to form a competing story, a story that we might uh, just naturally put a lot of weight upon because we share it with the people around us. And so we look at events for iGen, for Generation Z, those people uh, born between 1995 and 2012, that we look at the events and some of the happenings around them, stuff that Laura talked about with us, school shootings and terrorist attacks and cyberbullying and failed church leaders and uh, the social media, uh, just the weight of all that, the pandemic, the sustained uh, uh, caustic discourse in our nation, performance expectations, the model of parenting that's going on currently. Your generation has its stories. Every generation has its stories. The gospel offers a story that transcends all generations. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, offers the truest story that transcends all generations. The apostle Paul came to realize this and he, he came to that point where he could say it, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My story, my story has been rewritten by Jesus Christ. My truest story, Paul is declaring to us, has its foundation, has its founding act in the cross of Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. So the gospel offers us that different founding story, a truer story, the truest story. All that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. And so this morning, you are invited to embrace that story. To even just check yourself now, to, to be able to claim it for yourself, that no matter what generation you grew up, no matter what you've experienced in this world, no matter how people have treated you, no matter whether you've been successful or you feel like a total failure, here's the story, your truest story. It is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who redeems us, redeems you. He is the one who heals us. In fact, God is at work making you into the image of Jesus. That's how true this story is for all followers of Christ. Let's go to the second word then, conversation. Conversation. Here, we engage the conversation that God is already having with you. It's already going on. It's already begun. God has already started the conversation with you. Let's just take a quick look at the conversations that appear in our text. We've already mentioned the words in the first book. The reference to the first book is telling us part of the conversation. Now, when Luke wrote that, when when that was written in that first century, and Luke sits down to write that, he has probably no idea that he's writing Scripture. He probably has. He doesn't ever quote or write in there, uh, Dear Theophilus, as I write Scripture today to you, he just says in the first book, but we know, we know that, that the Spirit working in the church one day put uh, boundaries around a canon of, of books, a, a collection of books, and said, this is the Word of God, the Old Testament, what we've come to know as the New Testament. And the Spirit worked in the church, and we said, this is Scripture. And so even when we see that first reference in the first book, O Theophilus, it's a, it's a call for our attention that, that this is Scripture. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. We know full well that God speaks, that the conversation has already begun. God speaks definitively in Scripture, the inspired, God-breathed Word. We also see that Jesus, there's a reference in our text to Jesus, Jesus teaching and giving commands and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is part of the conversation that God has with us. Jesus coming into this world, the second person of the Trinity coming into this world and ministering and speaking and teaching, Jesus is a vital part of that conversation. Even just the person of Jesus tells the story. To us. In our particular text, there's a, a particular conversation about the restoring of the kingdom to Israel. It's so interesting that how easy it is for us not to get what Jesus is doing and saying. Because even here, after having spent all that time with Jesus during his earthly ministry, the disciples miss it altogether. Jesus spent all that time, he talked to them, he he gave them all kinds of information, he demonstrated things for them, he dies on the cross, comes back to life. And what do they ask? At this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, first, restore. They're asking, are are you going to kick the Romans out? Are are you going to change the the political situation? Are, Are you going to put us in charge again? Kingdom. Are you going to form us into a nation state again? Are you going to restore the kingdom, make us a nation state again? Are you going to restore it to Israel, the, the, uh, the tribes of Jacob, the, the tribes of Israel? Are you going to put us back in charge? Is that what's happening? And we notice in the conversation, Jesus, okay, so I try to jump in. What would Jesus be thinking at that moment? Like you, you knuckleheads. I've even died on the cross for you. Don't you get, he doesn't say that, doesn't pick it up, doesn't do it. He just goes, okay, wait, it's not, you don't know the time. It's only the Father knows the time. Um, and he talks to them about the Spirit, that the Spirit's going to come upon them and they will be witnesses. So that's the third part, uh, the third and fourth part of the conversation. The third part of the conversation that that is already taking place is this reference to the Holy Spirit coming upon the followers of Christ, the Spirit of God speaking. We'll say a few more words about the Spirit in just a moment. But then we also look, we know the conversation, the future conversation of of the uh, disciples going out uh, into the world and being witnesses. Let's just mention that other obvious conversation in our text as well, that two men, uh, all dressed in white robes, so angels show up. Wouldn't that be cool, like right now, if, if, if the doors... I've arranged the whole thing. It wouldn't be great if that two, the doors opened up and two men in white robes showed up and started speaking to us. Angels, come. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Identified conversations. We're going to see more conversations from God to his people over the next five Sundays. We're going to look at these stories in the first half of Acts where God speaks and communicates to his church, to his followers. But for now, let's just take a few moments to look at some words about the Holy Spirit and the conversation we can expect to have with him. There's a little book by Dale Bruner on the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he does in there is is he takes passages, verses from John chapter 14, 15, and 16, and and moves them together. So we recently studied the gospel of John, that that last part of it, and we looked at each of these places, but what Bruner does is he brings them together. In fact, let me go ahead and put it on the screen. What we find out from these words that, that appear in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John's gospel, the first thing we find out is that the Holy Spirit is a conversationalist. The Holy Spirit is the conversationalist. Listen to this. I've highlighted the words. You probably can't read the font. Maybe it's too small. But um, listen for these words, these highlighted words. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But when the Helper comes, he will bear witness about me And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We gather those words. The Spirit declares. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit guides. The Spirit brings to our remembrance. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit convicts. So if the Holy Spirit is the conversationalist, we also find in this gathering of verses what His topic is, what the the conversationalist conversation is all about. And so now listen to this other set of highlighted words. It reveals to us the very focus of the conversations. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You hear it already. That will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But when the Helper comes, he will bear witness about me. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin because they do not believe in me. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit, the conversationalist, And this conversation is all about Jesus. The Spirit is all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We also find out that the Spirit empowers. The Spirit empowers. But the Spirit seems to do this quietly. Uh, I mentioned that book by Brunner. He actually refers to the Spirit as the the shy member of the Trinity. And he says it's a shyness of deference. Let me change the word up a little bit. It's a humility of deference. The Holy Spirit in the Trinity, the single God, Father, Son, and Spirit, but one God, one unity, just one God, Father, Son, and Spirit in an an eternal community, in an eternal relationship with one another. And we find that the, the Spirit does not draw attention to the Spirit's self, but shows up and empowers in quiet ways. It's a way of deference to the glory of the Father and the Son. This shouldn't come as a surprise. We know that Jesus operates in humility. In fact, when Paul's writing about humility, he, he encourages us to adopt the way of Christ who did not consider equality with God something he had to hold on to. But he took the form of a servant instead, and he, even to the point of dying on a cross. So Jesus has a humility of suffering and sacrifice And God the Father has a humility. We could look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and we look at this patience, this humility of patience, of waiting, of being open, and keep sending servants toward us, prophets toward us. The Spirit glorifies Christ in part through the empowering of Christians. In our series, we're going to see it. We're going to see the Spirit empowering through visions and dreams and counsel. You know, even in my own preparation for this morning, there were times this past week where there were just some connections going on in my brain. And typically, I'll just think that this is my own thinking, but, but in truth, that the Holy Spirit's working to connect me to the story of Jesus Christ. The Spirit's working inside of each one of us, and we may not even notice that it's the work of the Spirit. You know, sometimes we can have this expectation, well, if the Spirit's doing it, how come your sermon isn't any better? You know? So it's, there's this gentleman back in the 4th century, his name's John Chrysostom. They, they, they talked about him as being the golden tongue one, like, like he was just known for his incredible sermons. The Spirit comes and doesn't put things together in order to make us into the image of John Chrysostom. The Spirit comes and works inside of us to connect us to the truest story Our truest story, the story of Jesus. All right, so our final one, the movement, the word movement. Here we embrace a life of ultimate significance. In our text, maybe you already picked up on the movement that had been taking place. There's the movement of Jesus' life. In the first book, O Theophilus, and he starts telling about what Jesus did. Jesus moved into this world. And we know that in the relationships Jesus had, he moved toward people. He moved toward hurting people and people that were disenfranchised and had been left out, who who were more powerless. He moved toward people. We know that Jesus, he also um, moved toward the cross. And from the cross, he was moved into the tomb. And then by the hand of God, he was moved to rise again. We know in our text that we're told of the movement of Jesus in the ascension. That he goes to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to that place of authority. And then we're told in our text that there's the movement of Jesus to return. To come back to this world and to make all things new at that very time that God has appointed. We're shown that the, there's the movement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you is going to come to you. We're told elsewhere in Scripture that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moves toward us to dwell in us in response to the gospel. And then there's the movement of the disciples. The movement of the disciples. Their movement too in response to the good news of Jesus. First, Jesus tells them to wait. Verse 4. Wait. 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 Wait here until the Spirit comes upon you. In other words, church, don't try to do this on your own. Church, don't try to just gut out faith. Rely on that conversation. Let the conversationalists come to you and let the conversationalists come and speak to you and focus on Jesus Christ. That the power of that conversation, the power of the Spirit working in and through you to give witness to Christ. This is is the story of our ultimate significance. This is the the movement of our ultimate significance that we would then move out from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, so the place right around Jerusalem for us, it would be moving out from Peoria and central Illinois to the very ends of the world that we would move. We can say then, we are on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. And the gospel is our message that everyone can have their truest story, the one that Jesus wrote on the cross. And we can trust that, that the gospel, which is the very essence of the mission, that God will use that in the lives of others. We know that on this mission, the Spirit's conversation is our power and that we move toward others And that moving toward others is our direction. Gospel, conversation, movement. I want to change things up just a bit here. This is not just a path for us as individuals, but this would be a path for us as a church. That as a congregation, we will grow in the gospel. That as a congregation, we will grow in engaging the conversation that God has already begun. And that as a congregation, we would grow in moving toward those to whom we have been sent. And for this purpose, we have a devotional tool that we've developed for the next five weeks. In part, it's for your own journey. In part, it's for your own journey and and that you could make use of this devotional tool. That it's part of your own faith formation. But that we're We would ask of you to also embark on the journey on behalf of the church for the congregation's formation. Just like the early church, that we would listen and that we would hear and that we would courageously obey together. This is all part of our what's next. We've been talking about, we're asking God, what's next? And this is the time where we're asking the congregation to spend time before God in silence and, and in listening and in and, 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 and openness, saying to God, yes, we're open to whatever you would want to say to us. Yes, we're open to hearing the Spirit speak. We've um, made this devotional into a hard copy, and it looks like this. It's got a number of pages in it, and And they are available on the table outside these doors. And if you're a hard copy paper and pen type person, please pick up one of those, one for each person, and make use of that. Some of us like to use our phones or our computers. If you look on the announcement sheet this morning, under news and notes, you'll see a QR code. And all you have to do is take a quick picture of that with your phone and you can download the PDF. It's a fillable PDF, and so you could use that instead. If you're on your uh, computer at home, and, and you can go to the top of our website, and there will be a link to the fillable PDF, and, and you can use it on your computer. Let me do a quick little walkthrough on what is involved with the devotional. Every week, for the next five weeks, between this Sunday and the last Sunday of the series, we're going to give you five, uh, uh, five days' worth of devotionals. And so a total of 25 days of devotionals for the five weeks. And here's what we would encourage you to consider doing each of those days, that you would set aside some time, maybe 15 minutes. It can be longer, but it can be done within 15 minutes. We encourage you to follow a pattern where you settle yourself, where you would calm, become calm and quiet, that you would center yourself on Christ. It's just, you know, it's not a mysterious thing. It's just putting away distractions. I'm here. I'm not rushed. I'm going to be present for the next 15 minutes. We can pray in our prayer that we would acknowledge God's goodness, that that Jesus is our truest story, that we would submit to that story, that we would say to God, I am open. Lead me. We'd spend a little time reading the Bible. Maybe you already have some Bible reading that's going on in your life. You're welcome to do that. We'll put a little Bible verse in a circle on the page, and you can reflect on it if you uh, would like. And then you would set just a few minutes aside, two minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe eventually ten minutes, but just at least two minutes just in silence. God may use the time to to keep that conversation going with you. Maybe the Spirit might link you to part of the story of Jesus that you hadn't thought of in a while. But our job is not to control whether God speaks or doesn't speak. Our job is simply to be present with God. And maybe, maybe even in our presence, it just starts to open up our heart and our mind, and it could be later in the day. Or maybe... 13 days in the future, or maybe 13 months in the future, or sometime where God uses that openness and directs, brings a word, provides a vision, fills us with a dream, sends a couple of angels. After we spend time listening that we would pray and give thanks to God and that we would commit to remaining open throughout the day, and then we provide a little journal space Just to write down some notes. Describe your your experience, what you heard, or or what, what how you felt, or what you said. You could write down, boy, I didn't sense anything today. It felt really dry, but I'll try again tomorrow. Maybe you'll write down, you know, there was just a word of love that came to me. I just felt love. Or, Or maybe you might write down, as I was spending time in silence, two guys showed up in white robes. And they began to speak to me. It was incredible. At the end of every week, at the end of those five entries, there's going to be a a space for you to capture the whole of the week and just to make some extra notes about the week and to reflect back because maybe God spoke to you outside of your quiet times. And maybe God moved and reaffirmed something in a Bible study or a life group or a conversation with somebody else. And at the end of the five weeks, we'll provide an opportunity for you, the congregation, to be able to then speak to the session, to communicate what you've been hearing. Maybe God's been affirming something in you or challenging you on behalf of the congregation, and you'll be able to provide that to the elders so that when they go and spend their time as a session, as a board of elders, listening and discerning, they'll incorporate what they've been hearing through you. God speaking to you. We know that as a people of God, as a congregation, our founding is upon Jesus Christ. Our origination, our our beginning, our, our, our whole movement forward is based on Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's the gospel. We are a gospel people. A gospel people that are involved in a conversation with the Holy Spirit that has already begun because the gospel has taken place. And because we have the Spirit, we also know we are part of a movement toward the lost and the hurting and the people who need to hear their truest story in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you indeed are the God who speaks. You're the God who provided the gospel. You're the God who comes toward us. You're the God who sends your spirit to live in us, to keep that conversation going, to empower us as we move out to the people around us with the good news of Jesus. God, would you be at work in our midst, in our congregation, in our quiet times? May all this be to your glory. God, may you find in us an openness, an openness to hearing the Spirit speak in our midst. To you be all the glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.